school. And I just want us tonight to give this man of God, a great man of God. I want you to give him a great city church welcome as he comes and brings the word. Come on, let's give him a great big hand tonight. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. Sit down. Hey, turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 16, verse 45. Numbers chapter 16, verse 45. Aren't you just thankful for our pastors, Eugene and Pastor Laura? Come on, come on. Give them a hand tonight. We love them. and I am uh, so honored and humbled, and I'm running out of time, so I'm going to skip some stuff um, tonight. And um, I was, as I was seeking God... Um, and praying for you tonight. And I believe if it's your first time tonight, welcome. If you haven't been able to come to the last few nights, it's okay. God's got a word for you tonight. And I'm boiling up in the inside to share it. And, and I, I feel like you're going to hear, hopefully, my heart. Um, and as I was praying for you, and for this night specifically, I just couldn't get this statement off of my mind. As I was praying with God over and over again, I, I wanted to preach something different, honestly. But I just couldn't get this statement off my mind. And I just felt like God just kept saying to me, Glenn... There's too much at stake. I'm like, God, I want to preach on something funny. I want to preach on something awesome. I want people to be like, this is great. And he just said, no, son, there's just too much at stake. And, and I just, I want to bring you a word tonight because I want to tell you what we do in this place. And more importantly, kind of what we do outside of this place. Guys, there's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. This this is what we call Christianity. And I know it might look like kind of fun and games and lights. And yes, serving God is fun. But serving God, there's a lot at stake. And I want to challenge you with that tonight. And so I've entitled this message, if you're writing down notes, if you need to write on your neighbor, that's fine. They might need it. I titled this message, There's Too Much too much at stake. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for tonight. Lord, I thank you for every person that's walked into this room. God, more importantly, I thank you that, God, you've walked into this room. And tonight, right now, God, I pray in Jesus' name that, God, you would use me. God, let me live up to half of what Pastor just said. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you, you would have your way in us tonight. Amen. Amen. I, I've come to the conclusion that uh, that we all have anger problems. I, I don't know about you. Maybe maybe you're angry at me saying that. Uh, I, I've, if, with the short years on on this planet Earth that I've been able to observe human beings, I've noticed that not not some people. Everybody has anger problems. Everybody. And if you don't vocalize it, that just means you're introverted. But you still got anger problems. And, and I don't know about you, but, but uh, you know who can frustrate you the most, right? Family. Right? Come on, students. You know what I'm talking about, right? Mom and dad have a, have a pretty good ability to frustrate you, yes? All right, but now we got the adults in the room tonight. Hey, adults, son and daughter have a good ability to frustrate you sometimes. Come on, come on. Let them hear it. You know, and especially your spouse, right? Whoa. Wow. (laughs) 
Let's pray for him right now. God, Jesus, amen. Father, bless him. He's extroverted. See, he just, he just let it out. Your spouse, and if, maybe if you're dating or you're getting there in your marriage, you know, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you know, uh, they can frustrate you like nobody else. Isn't it amazing how your kids, in one moment, can just frustrate you? And, and, and even more than that, uh, uh, we in our culture, I just find it comical how much we let menial things frustrate us. I mean, some of the absolute dumbest things will just ruin our day so quickly. And uh, there's, there's a guy actually lives in Orlando. He, he put out this series of YouTube videos. I want you to check this out. This is by a guy named Scooter Magruder. I think, I think that actually is his name. And I'm going to show you half of this video. And uh, he, he kind of highlights some things that frustrate you. Hopefully this uh, might connect with you just a little bit. Check this video out. Top 100 first world problems. Can't find the remote. Uh-huh. Twitter is over capacity. Ran out of toilet paper. You have nothing to eat at your house. Your neighbor blocked their Wi-Fi. Ran out of milk. Really? Your hot water takes a while to get hot. You don't have an automatic toothbrush. You don't want to eat leftovers. You don't have anything to eat. Too many commercials on TV. Twilight movies. Nicki Minaj. Justin Bieber. Teen Mom. You cut yourself shaving. Instagram is only for the iPhone. The barber messes your edge up. You were forced to get Facebook timeline. Your boss requested to add you on Facebook. People unfollowed you on Twitter. Annoying group text. The DVR recorded the wrong show. Toddlers and TR. Childhood obesity. No one likes your new profile picture. Bad cell phone reset. Hey, yeah, so, hello? Too many Facebook event devices. You have to use two remote controls. You have an annoying alarm clock. You don't own a Mac. You forgot to turn your phone on silent before you went to sleep. Lawnmowers wake you up. You can't hear the TV or the vacuum cleaner. You don't know how to work a Mac. You left your cell phone at home. You can't find your chapstick. You have to pay a transaction fee. Credit? They only accept no, cash. We don't accept credit. Make make rib. Rib. They we only accept, accept credit. credit. Sorry. You can't tell how much gas costs. No, sorry. They only accept Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola products. products. Snooky. The situation. Sarah Palin. Justin Bieber. Newt Gingrich. <laughs> Temple Run isn't on Android yet. Taco Bell is tripping. bread and the chicken. Oh, like the flatbreads? Yeah. No, we don't carry the flatbreads anymore. Dang. I think it's, the sad thing is I think I relate with almost all of those, <laughs> if you could be honest. And I don't know about you, but I, I, if I don't watch it, I can find myself getting burdened at some really menial things. As a believer that Jesus Christ has already paid for, as a believer that Jesus Christ has commissioned for great things, I don't know about you, but there's been times where I've let little distractions burden me instead of the things of God burden me. And I'm just telling you tonight, there's too much at stake. We need a bigger perspective of God and what He has for our life. And I just feel like tonight, if many of you have been coming to this revival, I just feel like, hey, listen, if we go with four nights, we started on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, if we go four nights with God, and we don't leave here with a burden, we missed it. Let's pack up the bags and let's go, let's go to IHOP. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying it would be a tragedy tonight if we get full of God but not a burden to go do something about it. Because there's too much at stake. There's too much at stake for you and I just to come into church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, and our friends not, not, even, know, not even recognize the fruit that we bear. I, I think it's time that you and I get a burden. Amen? 
because there's too much at stake. And God pressed upon me this passage in Numbers chapter 16, verse 45. Numbers chapter 16, verse 45. And we find Moses and Aaron, and they've got a burden. They're convicted by God with a burden for people. And they recognize that there's too much at stake. And tonight as we talk about this scripture, I want you to get the word picture that's represented here in Numbers chapter 16. I promise you that God's going to speak to you. I need three people to stand up. The first three people to stand up. I need your help. One, two, three. All right? So everybody else, no, yeah, you stay up. Stand up. Come on, give them a hand. Because... Because I need to set this scene up for you just for a second. What's your name? Andreas? That is so awesome and romantic. Man, that's good. I want to change, just for Valentine's, I want to like change my name, you know? Like, hey, girl, I'm, I'm Andreas. Hey, could you, you should record my, my, uh, my iPhone, like, me- message. So when people call me, you could be like, hello, you know, this is Andreas. You've reached, that would be awesome pastor calls me, that would be awkward. Now, 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 let me set this scene up for you just for a second. My man, Andres, and what's your name? What? what? Pat. Andres and Pat, you guys are Moses and Aaron, all right? All right, and you guys are the leaders of God's people. You guys are the man, oh, dude, love you so much, man, you're awesome, all right? Now, you guys are leading God's people. And listen, you're not going to do it alone. you got a leadership team, right? And so you got a big leadership team. Well, one of the guys on the leadership team, his name is Korah. And he is in charge of the Korathites. Guess who he is? Yes. You know what the word Korah means? It means baldy. I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I, this, it's the truth. It's just what the Bible says. And he literally, his, ma- his name means baldy. And so, and he represented the Kohathites. Well, the Kohathites, what they did is they had the honor to be, able, to be able to take the most holy things into the temple. It was a great honor in Jewish, in Jewish culture and custom. But, but Korah wasn't okay with just that. And so he starts to start a little revolt against Moses and Aaron. And it doesn't go very well for him. And you know what happens. He never does it alone, does he? Division never happens alone, does it? It's like a cancer. It begins to spread. And so it's not just him now. It's 250 of them now. And God, in Numbers chapter 16, if you read it, you have to read it later. I'm going to paraphrase it for you. And God says, you know what, Moses, Aaron? They're not just complaining against you. They're complaining against me. And he said, I've had enough of it. And so listen, this is what the Bible says. It's crazy. The Bible says that the earth opened up and swallowed all 250 of them, their tents, their people, their hair, their everything, swallowed whole, earth opens up, Everybody goes in it, earth closes back. That's what the Bible says. That's crazy. If you ever thought the Bible was boring, you, you need to read it. Okay, so, so, so that happens. Now, you, now you're actually dead. I'm sorry. Can you give Cora a hand, all right? He did good. And so, and so now, now, now God's frustrated. You would think that all the people would be, uh, they would have a fear of God and they would, they would repent and surrender, right? You probably would think, oh my goodness, I don't want that to happen to me. I, I'm, I'm going to turn towards God. Well, that's not what they did. They did just the opposite. In fact, they did exactly what Korah did again, except now it wasn't 250 of them. It was thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And so now we have this picture of Moses and Aaron and, and the writer of Numbers kind of depicts this picture, if you can envision with me, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. 
And God says, He says, that's it. I've had enough. Their rebellion, their sin, I'm putting an end to it. And He sends a plague of death. I want you just to think about this for a second. And Moses and Aaron look out, and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And all of a sudden, Moses and Aaron start to see from left to right. Bodies dropping. Bodies dropping. Families. It starts to sweep. Thousands and thousands of people. It starts to sweep. You guys can go ahead and sit down. Thank you. Yeah, come on, give them a hand. And I can't get that image out of my mind. Those thousands of people just... And all of a sudden, doesn't that correlate kind of with today? Every single day, thousands of people die and they do, they do not know God. So what do we do? There's too much at stake. But Moses and Aaron had to be sitting there grieved in their heart, and they were. We're going to find out. Let's see what, let's see what Moses and Aaron and Aaron do. Verse 45, the Bible says, as you can see, get away. God says, get away from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. And the first thing they did is they fell face down. Everybody said they fell face down. They fell face down with a burden for people. That's where they started it. They're seeing thousands of people get to start, start to drop off. And the first thing they did is they fell face down, understanding that God has to show up in this thing. And in your life, God has to show up in this thing. They fell straight down. You know, the crazy thing is that those same people were the same people that were rebelling against them. It was the same people that were talking about their kids and their wives and everything that was messed up with them. The same people that turned their back on him. He begins to fall face down and cry out for it. Man, I think that 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 preaches tonight. And it's time for you and me to get a burden. It's time for you and me to get a burden for souls. It's time for you and me to get a burden for those people in our community, in our city, in our schools. You know what? If you're bored with Christianity, you lost your burden. If you're bored with Christianity, you lost your burden. You need to get a burden tonight. If you walk out of this room tonight and you don't have a burden, I believe you missed the mantle of what's going to happen tonight. Every single person in here, God has created you to win souls. God has created you to snatch people out of hell and put them in heaven. That's what God's called you to do. They fell face down. Look at the second thing they did. Verse 46. The Bible says, when Moses said to Aaron, he said, take your censer and put incense in it. And go to the altar. What's the second thing they did? They went and they prayed. They went to the altar and they prayed. It's time for you and I to get to the altar and pray. It's time for you and I to get to the altar and pray. Incense, in the, in the old, not just in the Old Testament, but in all the Bible, incense always represented prayer. Let me ask you, and I, I, I told you I wanted to bring a really awesome, exciting, happy message, but I'm just going to give you the word tonight, all right? I'm going to give you just what's in my heart. I've got to be obedient to God. But when was the last time you got on your knees and just cried out for souls? When was the last time that your jeans began to wear? 
crying out for souls. When was the last time you lost sleep at night? Burdened because of souls. When, what, what happened now that your coworkers apparently don't mean that much to you anymore? There's too much at stake. It's our job to do what Moses and Aaron did. To burn incense and cry out for God, for, for God to move in our people. Prayer changes things. You know, many people, especially young people, we want to go straight into the battle. Full of passion. That's not what they did here, is it? Because they understood that if they went straight into the battle, there was no anointing with that. You see, they understood the power of getting God's attention. They understood the power of prayer. I say a saying in our youth ministry, many of you could probably finish it for me, but we, we fight with prayer and we win with we fight with prayer and we win with love. This battle that we're in to win souls, we fight with prayer, we win with love. We fight with prayer, we win with love. You and I, we've got to fight with prayer, with everything in us. They went to the altar and they prayed. Look at verse 46. Look at the next thing they did. They, they got some fire. You know, fire always represents the Holy Spirit. It represents the presence of God. You and I, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives more and more and more and more. We can't get enough of the Spirit of God in our lives. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need Him to empower us, to give us boldness to do His will. You know what I love about this passage? is, is He didn't go get yesterday's fire. He got that day's fire for that day's battle. And tonight, I, I believe you don't just need yesterday's fire. We need today's fire for today's battle. God has called you to do great and mighty things, and I'm telling you, you're not going to do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. They went and they got fire at the altar. And then I love this, verse 48, Keenan, go ahead and come up on the keys. The Bible says, He stood between the living and the dead. They got a bird and they fell down. They went to the altar. They got some fire, and then they went between the living and the dead. Guys, imagine this scene with me just for a second. There's, there's thousands of people. Moses and Aaron are, are freaking out. They've got a burden. They, they feel there's so much at stake. And what do they do? They're, they're panicking because people are dying at the moment. What do they do? You think they would run out to battle. No, they fall straight down to God. And then all of a sudden, Moses says to Aaron, he says, you need to go over to the altar. He runs over to the altar. I mean, he is probably going as fast as, in fact, the Bible says, hurry. We see hurry a couple times in there. And, and so he comes over to the altar, and he's like, I've got to take a second to get God's presence in my life before I can go over to where those people are dying right now. And so all of a sudden, he's getting the fire of God. He's getting the fire of God. And now all of a sudden, Aaron has got the fire of God. He's, got the, he's went to the altar. And now all of a sudden, he turns back. And now... This is where this, the whole point of this night comes in. Because I'm sure he probably took a second and just said, people are dying. And all of a sudden, the Bible gives us this picture that he takes the fire of God. He doesn't leave it at the altar, by the way. Too many of us leave the fire at the altar. Too many of us leave the fire at the church. Too many of us leave the fire in our prayer closet. It's great that you get lit up. It's time to get somebody else lit up. 
He takes the fire. He takes the censer. He starts running. He starts running and he runs. And he goes between the living and the dead. The Bible says, I mean, just imagine Moses watching this happen, watching this man. I mean, it's like a 300 movie all the way. You know what I'm saying? You got to read this whole thing. It's amazing. So he comes out and the Bible says right where he was, the plague stopped. To his left, the Bible says there's 14,700 people dead. And to his right, right here, would you stand up? She's breathing because of where he stopped. As there's too much at stake. You know what? It wasn't an army that went out there. It was one man. I've heard this message preached multiple times. In fact, I'm kind of scared to preach it because I feel like it's so good. I've heard this message entitled, One Man Can Make a Difference. And every single one of you has the living and the dead right around you. Your school, your family, your, 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 wherever you're working at, your city, your community, your Walmart, your mall, our movie theaters. Everyone in this room cannot listen to this voice, cannot listen to this message and not have an action plan. Because every single one of us, man, if we got this tonight, this church, this church is going to have some issues on attendance on Sunday morning. If we got this, guys. There are 37,000 people in this city that are not in this church yet. And I don't know about you, but I'm not counting on any other church. God bless every other church. But I think it's our job to get them. Because there's too much at stake. Amen. Come on, there's too much at stake. And the last thing is that the plague stopped. Yeah, you can give God a hand for that. The plague stopped. And I don't know about you, but man, I think it's time that you and I, we see some plagues stop in our lives. I think it's time for you and I to see some plagues stop in our schools, to see some plagues stop in our families. Come on. And you know what the truth is? Is that in order for you to get, because man, we are so good at being Christian and, and doing it inside of our house. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we love the part of revival as long as it doesn't have to do with us going between the living and the dead. We love every other part of it. We love going to the altar. We love singing, your presence is heaven to me. God, don't let me have to go talk to somebody about you. Your presence. Come on, let's be honest. I mean, what I'm telling you to do today is going to require your tomorrow to be kind of different. And at some point, you've got to conquer some fear of maybe rejection. Or disappointment of somebody saying, hey, I'm not interested or whatever. But you know what? It's worth it. Because there's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. Your school, young person, needs God. Your family needs God. Your, this city needs God. People need God. And it's our job to do it. There's too much at stake. Now, can, I, can I take you just a little deeper? And then we're going to pray tonight. We're going to pray. We're going to cry out to God for souls tonight. Can I take you just one, one, one step deeper? You see, whenever you normally preach an Old Testament passage, it's always appropriate to parallel it to Jesus. And, and at first glance, I, I believe that when you, when you look at this passage, you first think that Aaron represents Jesus because he's the one that went between the living and the dead. And even though I do think that that could be a good assumption, 
I think that's inaccurate when it comes to the bigger picture of the Old Testament. You see, the Old Testament always parallels Moses to Jesus, not necessarily Aaron. And I thought, God, that doesn't really make sense to me. And then it totally made sense to me. God just spoke to me and he said, Glenn, Moses already fought the battle back in Egypt when he took the people out of slavery. You see, he already won the battle. And now Moses, because Moses could have ran out there, but Moses told Aaron to. What? Moses told Aaron to go build an altar. Moses told Aaron to go get some fire. Moses told Aaron to go between the living and the dead. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit just said, Glenn, you are Aaron, and Jesus is Moses. And he's already paid the price for every single person that you're going to represent, and you're going to win. But now it's your turn. You're Aaron. Which, which then brings me into Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, when Jesus says, you go into all the world. You go and make disciples. You go baptize them in the name of the Father. You go do it. I'm going to be with you until the end of the age. And I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, the fire, to empower you to do it. God's calling you, Aaron, to step up. You know, one last thing before I close with a little story. I also found it interesting in this passage. The Bible says it was recorded in Numbers that 14,700 people died that day. I found it interesting that it didn't say how many lived that day. It's almost like the writer of Numbers and Moses and Aaron were almost kind of like, listen, we're thankful, but man, if I would have just got there earlier, it might have been 14,766 instead of 14,700. It was almost almost just kind of like, man, Yes, we're thankful that God, that what God did, but but man, it could have been thirteen thousand fifty if we would have just if he ran out there earlier. I mean, Aaron must have thought that, right? I mean, he had to have thought, man, if I could have just gotten there quicker, if I would have gotten the fire, if I could have ran out there just a little bit faster, maybe there might be one more person right here. Maybe this person might be over to life. And, and yes, everybody else might have might have died, but I could have got this one. And maybe I could have got this one. And oh man, I could have got this whole row if I would have just got this earlier. If I would have just got this when I was 15. I don't know about how many of you that are believers, but I remember, I, I, I feel this way. How many of you wish you could redo your high school, your high school life? And, it, and what's the first thing we think of? We're like, man, if I could do it again, I would just paint Jesus all over my body. And just like tell everybody, I wouldn't care about some chick that thought I was cute. And she really didn't even think I was cute. You know, and, and man, I would, right, we would do it again. And I'm sure that's what Aaron said. And I don't want that for you and I don't want that for me. Guys, there's too much at stake. Final thing I want to share before we're going to come and we're going to pray. Band, you can go ahead and come tonight. Pastor talked slightly about a man named Derek Williams. He was here yesterday. And many of you don't know the story about Derek. Derek came to our church. And um, the reason why he came to our church is because a young man named Kenny Cheeseman was in Chili's. Probably a little nervous to talk to somebody about God, right? You're in Chili's. It's awkward. And Darren's a pretty cool kid. And so Kenny musters up the courage to say, Hey, man, 
I know this might be crazy, but I just want to say, dude, love you, and and uh, would you go to church with me? You know what I'm saying? Like, we could, I'll buy you lunch or dinner or something like that. Not sure what Darren would say, right? And Darren actually came. He came that Wednesday night, came into the service, and God just touched his life. And he, it was a 180 for him. All of a sudden, he started coming to church. He started taking his next steps, as we talked about. He started becoming a member, and he, and he started to get a part of a group, and he started serving actively in our youth ministry and in other areas of the church. And all of a sudden, he comes up to me one day, and he says, Man, I'm just sick of the frat scene. My atmosphere is so bad. And I talked to Natalie, and I said, Hey, man, would you come and live with us? And, and so he spent the last year and a half in our house. Many of you know this. And then... God elevates him, and God releases him out of this house to be with Alan Griffin. And today, as as you as you heard yesterday, if you were in the, if you were in the service, that we are he is starting orphanages possibly all around the country. Students are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, this young man, and it seems to be multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And people come up to me sometimes, and it's kind of funny as a pastor, and because you know when everything goes wrong, it's your fault. And it's even more probably your senior pastor's fault, but I get, I get some of that too. And when everything goes right, though, it's also normally your, you know, good job. And I've heard people, and they go, man, Pastor Glenn, you did such a good job with Darren. I'm like, I don't know what I did. I, I kind of correlate it back to the young man named Kenny Cheeseman that decided to go between the living and the dead, get out of his comfort zone. And now who knows what God's going to do. So many of you are in this room because somebody went between the living and the dead. In fact, I was the dead until somebody grabbed a hold of me and grabbed me over to the living. It's time for you and I to step up because there's too much at stake. Amen. Come on, would you stand to your feet all across this place? I want to challenge you tonight. And there's so many people in the room, we can't even necessarily come out of our seats. So we're just going to build an altar right where we are. I was praying earlier today and I just, I feel like, I feel like if you would step out even right now in your prayer, I feel like that there can be a breaking in this house for souls. I'm ready. I am so ready for a breaking in this house for souls. I'm so ready to see hundreds of people get saved this Sunday. I'm so ready for schools to have to rearrange their schedule because of our church service, because of how many people in this city start attending city church. Come on. And, and, and I believe. And I believe tonight, if you would just let a little bit of faith rise up in you tonight, if you would just say, God, Lord, I'll fall face down tonight. God, I'll build an altar. God, I'll get on my knees. Lord, I'll get off of Facebook. God, I'll get away from TV. I'll start crying out for souls for you. And God, I'm not just going to get lit up by your spirit. I'm going to go do something about it. And if somebody ridicules me, somebody ridicules me. And if somebody makes fun of me, somebody makes fun of me. But God, I know you're going to use me. You're going to, you're going to reach another Darren. You're going to reach another Valencia. You're going to, I can go right down the line of the students that God's reached. Come on. And God wants to use you. If you're here in this room and you would say, God, put a burden in my heart tonight for souls. If that's you, would you lift both hands towards heaven all across this place? And would you ask King Jesus right where you are? Would you ask him, God, give me the faith. Give me the burden right now for souls. Come on, would you lift your voice? Come on, we're desperate for it tonight. 
God, see us tonight. See us in Sanford, Florida. God, crying out for souls. God, see us right here crying out for our schools. God, see us right here crying out for our uncles and our aunts and our sons and our daughters. God, see us right here, God, as a generation praying for souls. God, give us a burden tonight. Give me a burden tonight. God, give us a burden tonight. And right where you are, would you ask the Spirit of God to fill you? Come on, would you, if you don't know how to do that, you just say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me right now? Would you fill me with your power? Would you fill me with your anointing? Would you fill me with your favor tonight? Come on, just ask the Holy Spirit to come in. Holy Spirit, fill us tonight. Empower us to do what we can't do. So we can preach to Jerusalem, to Judea, to all those that are far off, God. Jesus, let us never be the same. Let us never be the same. Let us never be the same. But tonight, I want to just take the next two minutes, and then we're going to be done, I promise. But I want to take the next two minutes, Ben. You guys can go ahead and kind of pick it up just a little bit so it's not so awkward. But I want you to take the next two minutes. And I want you just to pray like you haven't prayed in a while. I want you to pray for souls. I just feel like as we do that together as a body. Listen, it's not just young people here tonight. It's all generations. It's our whole church saying, God, we're going to be about souls. God, we're going to be about souls. And come on, from the front to the back, would you begin to cry out to God for souls? Come on, cry out to God for souls. Cry out to God. Name some people by name. Come on, cry out for your freshman class. Cry out for your sophomore class. Cry out for your family lineage. Cry out for your employers. Cry out for your employees. Cry out for your city. Cry out for the state. God, we lift our voice to this house. God, let it not be 14,700 people in the city that are dying that don't know you. God, let it not just be one. Lord, we pray for a whole city to be won by you. God, break our hearts tonight for what breaks yours. Jesus, have mercy on our city. God, we don't want to just be full of your spirit and not do anything about it. Tonight we fight the battle with prayer. We declare tonight the battle is yours. Come on, let something stir inside of you tonight. Come on. Jesus, the battle is yours. God, save our city. God, save us. God, save us. 
God, forgive us. Come on, can we just repent for not caring enough? God, forgive us for... God, for getting religious on you. God, forgive us, God, for not caring for souls the way that we should. God, we repent tonight. Fill us, God. Renew our hearts tonight for souls. here in this room, you'd say, God commissioned me as an evangelist to my city. If that's you, would you lift your hand? I want to pray for you right now at this place, at this moment. Lord, with every hand that's lifted in this place, I commission in Jesus' name to be an evangelist, a missionary to their family, to be the light that you've called them to be. Holy Spirit, I pray you in power right now. God, we walk in your grace. Your grace helps us to do what we cannot do on our own. So, Lord, tonight we choose to operate in the grace that you've given us. God, I pray for influence and favor at our jobs. I pray for wisdom in our words. I pray for purity in our actions. I pray for integrity in what we do. God, I pray our actions for every hand that's lifted in this place will resemble you, Jesus. And I pray the fire that you've lit in our hearts tonight will run out between the living and the dead. And we declare tonight in Jesus' name, plagues are stopping all over this city right now. We declare plagues are stopping. We declare it. We declare it. We declare it. Can you two right here? Can you can you guys come? I want you to come real quick. Just come right here. Yeah, you three. Yes. Come on. These are some of our kids' ministry workers. Let's pray that every single little one in this city knows God. Come on. We're going to pray that right now. Come on, would you stretch forth your hands towards our kids' workers? Father, we declare in Jesus' name. God, you said, your word says that the harvest is ready and the labors are few. First of all, God, we pray for laborers to rise up. People that have a heart for young people, for children. God, we pray right now in Jesus' name. God, for an anointing to follow in that kids' ministry. God, for an attraction among our kids, God. God, a burden for every single little one, every elementary school, God. We pray right now these little ones will not have to go through what we went through. God, these little ones will not have to go through the drug addiction that some of us had to go through. God, these little ones will not have to know what it is to not have a dad because they're going to find spiritual fathers here in this church tonight. God, we pray right now in Jesus' name that, God, you break every wall that's holding us back. And Lord, we declare right now the favor of God in our children's ministry. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, would you give God a hand for that tonight? 
I want to do one more thing tonight. Pastor Laura, would you guys come up? I want to pray for both of you. Our pastor is such a heart. He could out-preach me a hundred times on this message. And I'm, I, I want to pray tonight that something in the heavenly shakes. I want to pray tonight that every time he ever speaks the word, that souls after souls after souls come to Jesus. I, I, yeah. I want to pray tonight that the grace of God would fall on this couple like they never knew. They've seen a lot of mighty miracles, but we truly believe, I truly believe tonight, the best is yet to come. There is an awakening that's coming. And let me be clear about this tonight. Let me be clear about this tonight. Revival in the Spirit of God happens through authority. It happens through order, not chaos. I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I, when I always thought of revival, because I grew up Pentecostal, uh, I always thought that that meant I was supposed to run around a bunch and possibly fall on the floor. Until I started reading the Bible, and every revival that I saw that was biblical ended up seeing souls saved. And it brought correction to the church. It brought correction to the house to be more purified. And it brought order, and it brought authority. And listen, the Bible says in Psalm 133, says that the anointing of God that's going to be poured out upon you is going to happen through the man of God and Pastor Eugene and Pastor Laura. And so tonight, every time you pray for your pastor, you have to understand that you are in, in many ways praying for yourself. And tonight, let's pray that there is a breaking in this house, an anointing upon his preaching like he's never seen before. And even as he goes over to Cuba, man, I just pray that God would just wrestle his heart in a whole new way. I pray that God would just pour out his favor upon him. Come on, are you with me? Would you stretch forth your hands towards, towards Pastor? Lord, we declare in Jesus' name, God, we declare the anointing in the favor of God to be released right now. Right now, God, we receive it. Lord, you put vision and dreams in his heart, and God, we, we declare them to come to pass. We declare them to come to pass right now. Jesus, I pray, God, for the anointing. Lord, the harvest is ready, just as we said, the labors are few. God, I pray you would put us to work tonight. God, everywhere he says, he says, I want to reach this city. We say, how many? Let's do it. Father, I pray tonight that, God, every service will be full. God, we pray for the resources from heaven. God, to, to follow the vision that you put on his heart tonight. Jesus, I pray an uncanny anointing upon him. I pray uh, just a grace anointing that doesn't make sense. Lord, we declare it right now in Jesus' name. Let it be done in this house. Come on, would you put your hands together one more time and give God a praise. Amen. Well, we're over our time. I told you I wanted to make you laugh a lot, but God gets the final say. Amen. Let me pray over you. I feel like we were praying for a while. Let me just pray the blessing over you tonight. Sunday service. Do not miss it. We're going to talk about how to sustain a revival, how to sustain a move of God. When, when God takes you to another level, how do you keep that? What's the biblical pattern for that? Not just what people say. What does the Bible say about that? You, Every young person, you need to be here Sunday. we got three services. we got 1145 for all those that are lazy and need to sleep in. 
All the early bird gets the worm, 8.30, 10 o'clock, 11.45. Don't miss it. Invite your friends. Come on. Tomorrow is a new day. Amen. Father, I declare in Jesus' name, I thank you that your word never returns void. And tonight, God, I, I feel like I've been as obedient as I could to you. And so, God, I thank you that you're going to do what I can't do. And, God, I thank you that as we take a step of faith, God, you match us. Thank you that your word says in James that as we draw into you, you draw into us. And so tonight we're expecting that. God, we're expecting that promise from you. Lord, I pray over the time in, in our word. God, I pray over the time in our devotional life that, God, you begin to speak. I pray for spiritual gifts to rise in this church like we've never seen before. God, I pray and decree your blessing over your people tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen, Amen. Amen.